Did you know that BDSM and kink are healthy outlets for aggression, imagination, and attention? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness. My name is Dana Shergel, and I am a sexual wellness instructor that dives deep into all things kinky. I'm here to show why kinky sexual wellness deserves a rightful spot within the wellness conversation. So let's talk about it. Welcome back. This Thursday, we will be doing things a little bit differently. I'll be joining you today and Katrina will be back with us on Monday. Today's episode is going to be about the Netflix documentary Orgasm Inc. The Story of One Taste. Interestingly enough, I picked this documentary to watch because of the Orgasm Inc. documentary I watched back in November. That Orgasm Inc. is about how Pfizer was funding a hysteria around women not being able to orgasm. So I thought that this was going to be a documentary about that. Or at least something relating back to Pfizer, at least. Instead, this documentary is about a company called One Taste. One Taste was a business created by Nicole Dion and Robert Candle. One Taste is dedicated to the practice of orgasmic meditation and slow sex. Orgasmic meditation is when you stroke a woman's clit up and down for 15 minutes. That's it. You can go deeper into the stroke, you can go lighter into the stroke, But regardless, a clit is being stroked for at least 15 minutes. I've actually looked into the own practice. I think even Kat and I talked about it at one point. But regardless, I knew some things about the company before watching this documentary. So I found this documentary absolutely ridiculous. This documentary is another classic case of how our sexual wellness is constantly being sabotaged. The information I had before I watched this film is that own practices are about releasing pleasure. Nicole speaks very highly of the power of pleasure in women and how it needs to be explored, and even gives you a roadmap of where the clit is. Basically, what she was doing was teaching the country how to get a clit off. I feel like I had a good impression from her message. She understands the power in female orgasms and knows the West knows nothing about how to please a woman sexually. She does a hilarious job of describing what a person might think like when they're trying to find the clit, When you're being wrapped up with questions of where's the clit? Am I going to find the clit? Where are all the nerve endings? Because once you do, that woman just won't move. She'll be in the state of what she calls being nailed. And it's when, you know, the eyes roll back to the head and you're in this like O-face stage. But it was, it is kind of funny. I actually really enjoyed it. And I feel that she deeply understands the power of orgasms and that they're meant to just create pleasure. What makes you feel good, and when you feel good, you act good. And that radiance of good and happiness reaches into others when you interact with other people. Honestly, if we all had more orgasms, I think the world would just be a better place. But I found that this film was out to paint her as some demonic Satan worshiper. Like, I'm going to go off on a bit of a rant here, but in the movie, there was a part when Nicole invited investors to come watch a demo with her. Now, a demo is when you see this ohm practice in action so someone is stroking her clit so this was an in-person like an in-person ritual that she was doing and I feel that Netflix did its very best to make it look as satanic as physically possible in the video from what I saw there was a snake and someone splashing droplets of water on Nicole you know in this white cloth and overall I've traveled from Namibia down to South Africa and I've seen cleansing rituals like this and there's nothing satanic about it it's actually quite beautiful And, you know, like if you're afraid of snakes, I can see how this can be unsettling. But what was such a piss off about it is that the music that they used during the filming of the scenes 
was this scary, dramatic horror sense of the devil worship or something. And it was painting this picture that in no way was the ritual supposed to be objectified to. While that scary music was going on, there was a recording of Nicole's poem, and that's what she spoke of before doing her demo. So I'm actually going to speak the poem to you without all the scary music, and maybe you will have a different sense of what this poem stood for. So here it is. I'm interested in letting my body be used in the transmission of the experiences that have been given to me. There is an experience of beauty that one feels when something is in harmony. This was that kind of beauty. Today I am immersed in it. I feel here that there is something inside me connected to everything. There is an intimacy that I feel with my partner, my bed, the plants. The world becomes one giant network of neurons that in this entity that I call Nicole. What the fuck is so scary about that? Like, I'm sorry, but I actually find this quite beautiful. Um, There is an experience of beauty that one feels when something is in harmony. And she said that that was the kind of beauty Man, if you're scared of this and I don't really know how to help you, seriously, like watch out when you're watching Netflix. One of the problems with Netflix is that, you know, people think that since they're watching Netflix that it's giving you some unbiased content, but that's just not the reality. Like the reality is Netflix was partly, I'm going to go off on another rant here, but the reality is Netflix is actually created or partly created by a guy named Mark Randolph. Now Mark Randolph comes from a really famous Family, interestingly enough, and a trivia fact is one of Mark's parental great-granduncles was Sigmund Freud. Yeah, um, yeah, the Sigmund Freud. Yeah, isn't that kind of crazy? And then the other paternal great-uncle Mark had was Edward Burney. But like, who is he? I've never heard of him, right? Well, Edward Burney is an Australian-American pioneer in the field of public relations and propaganda. Yeah. So weird, right? Like, that can only be a coincidence for sure, right? Anyways, when it comes to documentaries you watch, just make sure you do your own homework and really pay attention to what you're watching because this whole demonization of this practice gets worse, in my opinion, throughout the whole film. At certain points, there's clicks of photography going off, and it's these people in these very dark robes, and again, very scary, very demonic. And again, if you just listen to the words that Nicole actually says, she spreads this message of the power of orgasms And when used with a certain purpose, orgasms can certainly be spiritual, and that is part of her message. And even overall, I felt like the documentary was a bit weird. Um, Like most of the time, they were just these hints and underlying resentments about money and financial obligations, and it seems that people who were being interviewed were kind of upset with how much money they, they spent. But at the same time, those people that were being interviewed we're even saying that the money was worth being spent because they were getting their money's worth. So it's very confusing. They're saying like, oh, I spent so much money. But then other people are saying, well, yeah, it was worth it. But the documentary also touches on a relationship of their main sales lady, which is a woman named Rachel. And Rachel's story starts from a place where she was told by a therapist when she was 25 that she was inorgasmic and could not have orgasms. In orgasmic, told by a therapist at 25. What the fuck? Like, that's what she was told. And over and over again, there's these stories of women being told to their face by doctors or licensed, quote-unquote, people, taught by the West that they cannot have orgasms. Like, I'm telling you, the West knows absolutely nothing about orgasms, and it's not that the information isn't out there. The information is certainly out there. But it's our responsibility to find it because you're not going to find this type of wisdom through our traditional sexual education system. That's for sure. 
And another thing that rubbed me the wrong way about this documentary is that they took her background of how her dad was a child molester and how she was a stripper at some point again and they added this eerie, creepy music. But, you know, all I see is this woman who's honestly telling her authentic self and, you know, she's telling it to people that want to listen to her and get some form of healing from her. But it shouldn't be used against her. Like, another thing I didn't really like about the film is I feel like they tried to take sound bites and turn them into really controversial talking points. Um, Like, at one point, Nicole says a great line about the female identity within our culture and that the female identity with our culture is a victim. And if you do not buy into that in any way, then there are only two options with victim, and the other is villain. But she followed that with an extremely controversial line um, where she says, I got raped and all I got was this victim story. And I'm going to try to put this in perspective from with the best words that I can from my point of view because I was raped at 24 and it was at the end of the night and I had already gone to sleep and was even sharing a bed with a friend but she got up in the middle of the night and that's when someone I didn't know came into the room. But at, not at any point did I place blame on myself. Even though I, ha- I knew that I had done everything right, you know, I felt safe, or at least I thought I was. But through my healing, I have faced the facts that not all situations are as safe as you may think. And that the that won't ever happen to me thinking is bullshit. And I made significant changes because of that. You know, I stopped getting drunk. I stopped sleeping in other people's houses if I didn't know every single person. You know, These are the responsibilities that I took on for myself. And what's crazy, I'm a totally different person now than I was then. Now, I'm only talking from my experiences and not from any other person's. But I didn't choose to take the victimhood route, even though during all this, the Me Too movement was still around and and people were giving me that victimhood attitude. You know, like, oh, you know, like, I feel so sorry for you. Like, like as if I should feel guilty in some way. But that just wasn't the case. So the theme of women having to be victims resonates with me because at no no point did I feel like a victim in in that, in what happened to me. And to further this in the film, one of the people being interviewed said that Nicole said you should have a no-value judgment on things like rape. Now, a value judgment is a judgment of the rightness or wrongness of something. In general, it's a judgment based upon a particular set of values. Now, this might be tough for some people to hear, but my rape was one of the most eye-opening experiences I had when it came to how my mother treated me during this whole thing, which actually was the final straw um, to me going to therapy. And through therapy and branching out into alternative wellness structures is when I was able to turn my life around. But I believe by discrediting Nicole, it's easier to tie in that BDSM and kink is bad because later in that video, they bring up a clip of how BDSM classes are within one taste practice. But I don't believe that they shined BDSM in a good way because they immediately go from BDSM classes to how they verbally broke this one woman down. But what I believe that's going to end up happening is people are going to combine the abuse that that woman allegedly had with BDSM Because that film just spent all that time demonizing Nicole's practice, then showing the BDSM clips, then showing this, you know, apparent verbal abuse. But that's the thing. There are cases where abuse happens, but there are cases where it doesn't or there isn't abuse. It just 
it can be easily look like abuse if you don't know the people that are doing it or what they're looking to get out of it. So what might look abusive to one person might not actually be abusive to the people that are partaking in that activity. Obviously, if this girl was abused, that's bad. But I just want to make sure we don't credit the people that actually do get off consentingly to being verbally put down and consentingly partake in that activity. In the film, there was this voice of this anonymous person, this anonymous member or previous member of One Taste, saying that they were encouraged to tap into their aggressive side and do psychological damage. I feel like this is a loaded sentence because from my perspective, we still are animals and we still have a wild beast within us. So I do agree that we should tap into our aggressive side in order to control it. That is something that you do need to do. And I do agree that we need to unleash our inner beast in a safe and consenting environment. I feel like when people don't understand that they have a beast within themselves, they just haven't touched into that side. You know, isn't that the whole thing? Humans domesticated ourselves. Lucky there's still some of us are still in touch with our quote-unquote beast side because that's what helps us to control our lives. Life involves balance. We can't always be sweet. You will have to face the other side of you one day in order to not let it control you. The idea that you don't have an animalistic inside within you is false. The ending of the documentary ends with the story of a woman who's been abused allegedly within one taste. Now I'm going to look into this for next week, but as of right now, let's leave that on pending and loop back because the ending of the film says that even though the FBI probed into it back in 2018, there has not been any charges. The last line of the movie ends with, if you have a leader who takes it too far, it can be dangerous. And Kat and I have talked about this, about the gray area that happens when you work within sex, and that it is a dangerous space when someone uses it unethically. And that's why you need to be self-aware when someone is using you or is abusing you. But let's not forget that the original message of the OM practice is simply stroking your clit for 15 minutes. You know, all those additional classes were there because Nicole seems to be a businesswoman and wanted to expand on her craft. And what do you think rich people out there do? Rich people just spend their money on sex all the time. Like, that's not new news. But the fact that this movie went so hard to discredit her and the fact that she's currently looking for a ghostwriter on cancel culture is great. Because even before reading this, I kind of felt that's what was happening to her. Because seriously, I wonder what was in that contract for her not to sign it. We are talking about Netflix here. They aren't the most trustworthy company to work with. And I'm happy to see that they've been rebranded as the Institute of Ohm. Because Nicole's message of the power of the orgasm is still true. I believe that more people need to learn how to get a clit off. Without pharmaceuticals or whatever else they've got you trying to buy. You know, that's why I'm here, because I believe that BDSM and kink, it's, it's in your mind. It's how you approach sex. It's how you approach yourself. But I think that's as much time as I have about this rant for Netflix's documentary, Orgasm Inc., the story of one taste. You know, for next week, I'm going to do something about unleashing your inner beast and why it's important. You know, so let's next week, let's all get ready to dive into it beastly things and I'm gonna do a quick update on what's going on with the orgasm ink since then but that's it for me if you're new here or to the BDSM and kink basics 
I highly encourage you to check out my e-learning at www.thepartition.life, where I make it easy to learn the basics. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week at a new time. Make sure to listen to Kat and I on Monday, and as always, stay kinky.